The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Bay Village police are seeking a little girl who failed to return home from school this afternoon. That brief but disturbing message started the search for 10-year-old Amy. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friends at Fox 8. I called my mom, who then said, no, she had choir practice that Friday, which was odd. And then she still wasn't home, and I called her again. Amy had called her mom that afternoon, apparently in between Jason's two calls, apparently to reassure her. Authorities believe she was with her abductor when she made that call. As time passed, though, when Jason called his mom a second time, the fear grew. And of course, that set everything into motion as everyone knew something was wrong. Okay, let's go ahead. A massive search ensued. So when she's not home, when she's supposed to be home, 
Everyone began feeling uneasy. She was supposed to have choir that afternoon on Friday afternoon. The 10-year-old little girl didn't come home. You're hearing her brother Jason speaking. Take a listen again to our friends at Fox 8. Amy disappeared from that square across the street after meeting a man who had called her at home. He indicated that he wanted to help Amy buy a surprise gift for her mother, Margaret, who had received a promotion at work, something that was true, and he knew. Amy was never seen alive again. Her brother Jason was the first person to sense something wrong that October day. Amy got out of school about an hour earlier than he did, meaning Amy was almost always the first one home. I came home to an empty house, um, which was rare. How would the kidnapper know about the mom's promotion? Did the 10-year-old girl unwittingly tell him that? How did he know how to reach her? All these questions surrounding the disappearance of a beautiful 10-year-old little girl, Amy Mahalvik. Again, I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. With me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. First of all, straight out to special guest joining us, news anchor from CBS 19, Nicole Versansky. Nicole, thank you for being with us. And you can find her at Nicole Versansky, Cleveland 19. Nicole, thanks for being with us. Tell me about the afternoon that Amy went missing. Amy, 10 years old, she's in fifth grade. She rides her bike to school and... That afternoon, specifically that afternoon in her class, she had an officer speaking in her class about stranger danger. And we know that she left her bike at school and she walked about a block away after she got out of school to meet a man. She told a couple friends she was going there to meet someone to buy a gift from her mom. And she walks a couple blocks away from school. Uh, it's an ice cream shop. There's an ice cream shop in this plaza. It's a popular after-school hangout. And she's seen, the last time Amy Mahalovic is seen, is two other 10-year-old boys saw her there with a man. She turned toward the parking lot with him, never to be seen again. You're scaring me so much right now because the twin school is right down the hill from a uh, frozen custard. It's like ice cream shop. And any time between 12 and 4, you can see a parade of students going up and down that sidewalk. It's, it's a good little hike. You know, it's about maybe a quarter of a mile um, to get there, but it's a, a hangout, and they all go there. That's exactly the same picture here. And what's so disturbing about this, Nancy, is if you talk to Amy's dad, Mark, Amy wasn't one to go hang out and talk to a stranger. She was a sweet girl, a smart girl, got A's and B's, but she wouldn't go up to someone. She never talked to strangers. So the person she was meeting wasn't a stranger to her. This is someone she felt she knew and she could trust. Now, it's interesting that you say, Nicole uh, Versansky, joining us, CBS 19, that it's someone she knew. But your and my definition of someone she knew is very different from a child's idea of someone they know. Because uh, joining me right now, Dale Carson, high-profile lawyer out of Jacksonville and former FBI agent, um, author of Arrest Proof Yourself. You can find him at DaleCarsonLaw.com. Dale, and all your work with the FBI, 
and all my work dealing with child kidnap, child murder, child molestation, you can ask a child, well, who was it? And they go, well, the janitor or the yard man or um, the guy at the ice cream shop. They may not even know the name of the person, yet they think they know the man at the ice cream shop He's there almost every afternoon, and he's talked to her in the past about her family and her siblings and her dog and her bike, and she thinks she knows him, but she doesn't. Children don't think the way we do. That's exactly right. And more to the point, Nancy, you know, the children's frame of reference is fairly small, and the result is anybody they know becomes important to them when they wouldn't be important to adults at all. You know, that's really interesting that you said that. Let me go to Dr. Jory Crosan, joining us, psychologist and professor St. Leo University, consultant, uh, author of Operation SOS. Dr. Jory, what do you make of what Carson just said, that a child's world is so small that the people that they do know have a significant importance to them? Yeah, and the the big point, too, is that they're very trusting. And when you look at how... Freely, we give trust into other people. You know, just a little bit of information. If this person were to say something that she may know about some of her friends or her parents or something like that, you see there's that connection now. And with that connection now comes trust. You know, Nicole Versansky is joining us, news anchor, CBS 19. Nicole, you told me that she mentioned to several of her friends that she w- who the guy was. She mentioned to two of her friends. She never told her brother, never told her family. And the indication is that this man called her at home at least once, but likely more. Um, but she did confide in two friends at school that day that she was going after school to meet this man to buy a gift for her mom um, for a work promotion. So this person, this man, had enough information on Amy as far as her mom, Margaret, um, wasn't really promoted. She was going from part-time to full-time, but had enough information to know that about Amy um, and be able to lure her with the promise of, you know, she, here she is. She's a 10-year-old little girl thinking she's doing something wonderful for her mom. She's going to surprise her with a gift. And that just breaks your heart when you think of just the innocence and the sweet act of what she had intended to do. Greg Smith joining me, Special Deputy Sheriff of Johnson County Sheriff's Office and Executive Director of the Kelsey Smith Foundation, named after his daughter who was kidnapped and murdered, Kelsey. Greg Thank you for being with us. You know, when I'm hearing Nicole Versiansky describe 10-year-old Amy, it almost makes me want to cry because this little girl is so trusting and she thinks the kidnapper is going to take her to buy a present for her mom's promotion. Yeah, and that's the that's the sad truth of the thing uh, in, in a number of ways. One, it's too bad that in our society you can't trust other people. Um, but two... That's exactly what kids do. I mean, I have eight grandkids, um, and, you know, they're all so sweet and innocent, and you listen to them talk about who their friends are or who they met, and in today's world now, there's social media, and, you know, you can, boom, somebody appears on a tablet or a phone, and if you've got school-age kids, 
chances are the school's giving you that equipment. So now they're bringing that equipment home because they need it for school, but it can be used for other purposes. So the world has changed and um, in a lot of ways, not for the better. Her mind was occupied with getting a surprise gift for her mother, for her mom's promotion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. With me, Dr. Michelle Dupree who wrote, literally wrote the book, Investigating Child Abuse Field Guide. Dr. Dupree, very often we see a a child kidnapper, molester, get to know the child. It's called grooming. And I guarantee you, he got the information out of this child about her mom getting the promotion and then used that as a weapon to lure her into leaving her home, her school, the ice cream shop, 
to go off with him to get a promotion gift. Yes, Nancy, that's exactly right. And and that's what they do is they become friends, and I put those in air quotes, um, with that child. And, and they know things about them, and they seem like they're very familiar. And so they gain that child's trust. And the parents would have no idea what was going on, Dr. Dupree, because she's a latchkey kid, like I was. When we got off school, we walked literally over a mile home. My mom and dad were both at work. We knew how to get into the home, and we stayed there till they got home or went and played or whatever. And there was not a thought in the world that anything bad could happen. I bet the parents didn't even know this guy existed. That's right, Nancy, at least not... At least not in that capacity. They may have known the person or they may have been acquainted with him, Didn't. but certainly they, they did not know that the child was involved with them. Was that you jumping in, Dale Carson? Because obviously they had met before because she told her friends, my friend's going to take me to buy my mom a gift. They had obviously had phone conversations and had met, and I bet they met at that ice cream shop. But I'll tell you, the, the method of operation here, the MO, is a bit unusual. And one wonders whether or not this has happened in other locations, uh, which would lead you to a potential suspect. Mm-hmm. Nancy, there were multiple other girls in the same general area who got a phone call. And if you talk to detectives on the case, they believe it was from this same man. Wow. Okay. You're hearing Nicole Versansky jump in. And I'm so glad you told me that. Uh, Nicole joining us, CBS 19. I didn't know that. Tell me about that. Other little girls got phone calls? There were calls before and after Amy disappeared. Um, North Olmsted is a town just a few miles outside of Bay Village. But the only connection investigators were ever able to make between these girls and Amy's case is just the proximity, that they all lived in the same general vicinity. There was no other real link that they could ever find uh, between these girls. Nicole Versansky joining us, CBS 19. What would he say on the phone to the other girls? It was the same MO. I want to take you shopping. It's got to be the same guy. Who's calling 10-year-old little girls and saying, I want to take you shopping? Well, The search ensued for 10-year-old little Amy, her family distraught, and then a twist in the case. Take a listen to our friends at Fox 8. 104 104 days later, we find her in Ashland County. Amy's body was discovered by a jogger in a field in Ashland County, which is about 50 miles south of Bay Village. Investigators believe Amy's killer may have been familiar with the area since it's in a very remote location. About 10 feet off the roadway, right right in this area. Sheriff's Deputy Carl Reichard was the first law enforcement officer on scene. Thrown on the side of the road like trash. Uh, that tells me a lot. The MO, the modus operandi method of operation of disposal of the body, but also about this remote location. Nicole Versinski joining us, CBS 19. You know, you were just saying that other girls in the general area had also been getting calls from an adult male that wanted to take them shopping. He had to put together their names and phone numbers. He had to have contact with them to figure out their names and how to locate their numbers. He was watching other girls. This may not be his only victim. As far as that remote location, um, could you describe the location for me, Nicole Versansky? It's in the middle of nowhere, Nancy, and there was nothing. This is God's country. This is, 
farm fields that span for miles and miles. So the person who did this to Amy had to be familiar with that location Mm -hmm. in Ashland County. You don't just stumble upon this field. I want to point out a case similar uh, in this aspect, at least. And this case is, you know, textbook example for so many uh, aspects of murder. Uh, Greg Smith joining us, Johnson County Sheriff's Office, is Scott Peterson. Um, that's an example of committing a crime or disposing of evidence in a place with which you are familiar. Scott Peterson murdered his wife, Lacey, and their unborn child, Connor, and he went to one of his old fishing holes to dump the body, the San Francisco Bay, and then places himself at the scene of the murder on the day of the murder. Lacey and Connor wash ashore a couple months later. But that's where he is familiar. That was comfortable for him. He felt he knew the area. So I think, Greg, that Nicole Versansky is right. Yeah, they, I mean, they look for places that uh, are familiar to them where they do feel comfortable. In addition, I mean, those of them that do some planning and, and really think about these things and um, are career criminals, um, if they have familiar places and they're seen in those familiar places, it also sets up an alibi for them when something is found DNA or, or something else. Well, yeah, but I'm always in this area. You're just, you're just trying to pin this on me because people have seen me here. You know, another issue is uh, I was alluding to earlier about how he could connect the little girls he meets at, for instance, the ice cream shop with their home address. If he can get their home address out of them or their phone number, it's simple. If he could get their parents' name, he can, you can go online and Google a name, a city, and and get a set of phone numbers. Uh, Or if you still use the old phone book, you could do it that way. Who is that, Dale? Good jump in. Yeah, you know, it's so easy to trick a young child. You simply make the phone call, and we should all be aware of this. And you say, I'm Jack, I'm friends with your dad, and I, I, how's your mom doing? Is she okay? What's going on? And the child just liberates that information because they have no fear. They don't have the frame of reference which teach them not to tell people stuff like that. And if they've not been warned about stranger danger, then they just open up because there's a belief, and they do believe, that that person has a direct connection with a family, even though they may not be aware of it. And another thing, it's, it's scary, Dr. Jory Crosson, and I've tried this on my own children. Um, Dr. Jory is joining a psychologist, faculty, St. Leo University, and author. Dr. Jory, uh, studies have shown that you can tell your children over and over about stranger danger about what to do if a car approaches you or what to do if somebody comes to the door and you don't know them. But children, immediately after hearing it, and you just heard Nicole Versansky tell us, they had a stranger danger speaker in their class the day that Amy goes missing. And she still went with this guy. I've done it with my own twins. And they, you know, it, it, they don't process the way adults process and studies show that. Yeah, and they're, again, they, they're so trusting, and it's so easy to disarm them and establish that trust. Uh, one thing, too, I wanted to add in on this location. You know, when I dealt with sex offenders and evaluated them in court, 
you you always want to get into their fantasy and you know we know like serial killers would take momentums and trophies and stuff there's connections of where they leave the body and the fantasy with it so being an out in an area where it's secluded like she said in this time you drive for miles you know there's a good chance he revisited it and that was part of his fantasy to go back out there not even get close to the body, but by driving out there, he's still going to start this fantasy process in his mind. Explain what that means, Dr. Jory Cross, a psychologist, about living out the fantasy, including the disposal of the body. That is, that is psychologically the deviancy, the perversion. That's the reward. And if you can, as a psychologist, okay, doing like a Jimmy Rice evaluation, if I can get into that and tap into that, that's where a lot of these whys and other things, even though we may not understand them, but there's a lot of, that's the psychological heart. That's the, the, the reasoning in his deviation and perversion, uh, you know, call all the psychological terms, his evilness, basically. To think about the way that this young girl was thrown dead on the side of the road is so upsetting. It is so callous. Listen to our friends at WKYC. That body has been positively identified as that of Amy Mahalovic. But it all came to a heartbreaking end about a quarter of a mile down this quiet country road. February 8th, the day the body of Amy Mahalovic was found in a field in Ashland County, 50 miles from her home in Bay Village. When it was found there, it was only about 15 feet from the road, uncovered and in plain sight of numerous people driving by. She'd been stabbed, beaten, and sexually assaulted. The manner of disposal of this body brings two cases to mind. One is a case I investigated and covered, Chanel Petro Nixon. Beautiful young teen girl. She went out of the apartment for an errand and was never seen alive again. Her body was found in a trash bag left on Kingston Avenue. It also brings to mind the case of Nicole Lovell, 13-year-old little girl that was lured out of her home by a Virginia Tech student, David Eisenhower, and she was found naked and wiped down with some type of alcohol wipe and thrown naked off the side of the road. What does that mean to you, Dr. Jory, the disposal of the body like it's trash? It, well, it can mean several things. And, you you know, that's where, like, the behavioral aspects, like how it's placed, you know, if it's just the, the card as, like, trash, like you say, if it's wrapped up in a bag, you know, uh, sometimes they're, they're posed is the word that we use. You know, they're, they're staged. There's, there's significance to how that body. Guys, take a listen to our friends at WEWS. Amy disappeared from Bay Village Shopping Center on October 27th. Police say she'd gotten a call from a man luring her to a nearby shopping plaza with the promise to help her buy a gift for her mom. Well, four months later, a jogger found her body 50 miles away. 
Police have a database, they say, of more than 12,000 names connected to this case, but so far, no arrests. Her dad says he is not giving up. It's just going to take just that one person. You don't, keep, you don't do something like that and keep it a secret without telling somebody else about it. Nicole Versansky joining us from CBS 19. Amy, just age 10, who disappears, her body found, assaulted and thrown by the side of the road. Her dad very, very rarely speaks of it. I understand, Nicole, that the heartbreak is still very close to the surface. And see, he's never gone down the road where Amy's body was found. He sees absolutely no reason. He has every reason in the world to be bitter and to be an angry man, and he is still just such an incredibly kind, sweet, nice man. But the heartbreak, you can still see the emptiness in his eyes. He loves to talk about Amy, and you know, and he will, and he'll smile, and he'll talk about how when she was five and six, she was diving off the high dive and just what an athlete she was and how much she loved horses. And he, she used to draw, uh, draw him horses. She, he showed me a picture once of she drew him this horse and he, it was polka dotted. Um, and you can see the smile in his eyes and then, you know, and then he'll pause and it just, it gets empty. Time doesn't heal a wound like this. Mm-mm. Nicole Versansky joining us from CBS 19 and the star of podcast Dark Side of the Land, who killed Amy Maholovic. I want to talk to Dr. Michelle Dupree again, not only author of Investigating Child Abuse Field Guide, but medical examiner, pathologist, and author of Homicide Investigation Field Guide. What do you make of the mode of murder, Dr. Dupree? Well, Nancy, there's a couple of things. One, um, I'd like to just go back a moment and talk about the method of disposal. This is very um, open. It is, um, there's no forensic countermeasures taken. This is a disorganized killer. Whoa, 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 slow down. When you just throw (laughs) out the term forensic countermeasures, explain. So forensic countermeasures are things that people may do to try and hide um, the crime. They take some type of um, staging would be a forensic countermeasure. In this case, you know, the body wasn't staged. It was just sort of left. You mean like Alex Murdoch using two guns to suggest someone else was involved in the killing. Got it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So no countermeasures here. And what does that mean to you in addition to the mode of death? So th- that means to me that it's basically... um sort of not very well planned, if you will, and again, that it's a disorganized type of killer. Um, They may have done this before. Um, That's actually um, very good because there there was some other children that were contacted. He was looking to do this. and I think that's obvious by the whole scenario. Nancy, if I could jump in for just a moment as far as there are indications we know now. Is this now. Nicole? Yes, this is Nicole. Go ahead, because I was going to ask you about uh, prior hang-up calls, but go ahead. Um, there are indications that her Amy's body was wrapped in a blanket and a curtain. Um, and there are also items that were taken from her. There are items that are missing to this day 
that Amy was wearing the day she disappeared. Interesting. I wonder if those were souvenirs. And about that curtain, take a listen to our friends at News 5 Cleveland. Bay Village police are so focused on this curtain found 300 yards away from Mahalovic's body in a field in Ashland County. It was always thought that they were connected somehow. And now through the advance of DNA technology and testing, we've been able to determine that Amy's hair was actually on that curtain. Investigators urge anyone who can help identify this curtain to contact them. The curtain is its very unique. It almost looks to be handmade. Back to you, Nicole Versansky. Tell me again about clothing missing from 10-year-old Amy's body and the curtain. Turquoise horse head earrings. Okay. Wow. Turquoise horse head earrings. Okay. Black ankle height riding boots. A black leather binder that her dad gave her. It said Buick Best in Class on it. Her book bag and a white windbreaker. Those items are very likely in the possession of the person who did this to Amy. Nicole Versansky, you are so right. To Dr. Jory Crawson, psychologist, Killers, especially serial killers, keep mementos of their victims. It can be, um, like in this case, earrings, shoes, underwear, be all sorts of things. What motivates them to do that? That's part of that fantasy, that, that they can relive it and adjust it, fit it into their demented mind as to how it came about. Uh, so, you know, that they call them, you know, trophies, but they are things to remember this behavior, this act, this person, again, in their mind. And, you know, again, when you tie in, like, the, the sexual offenders, it has to do with the violence and the perversion, that fantasy life that they have. Dale Carson joining me, high-profile lawyer out of Jacksonville and former Fed with the FBI. Dale, I'm a big scrapbooker. Right. I, in my mind, killers take these mementos from their victims just the same way I would put ticket stubs or a photo in one of my scrapbooks. Well, it's the remembrance, but I taught this for the Bureau, the sex offenders, and I will simply tell you it's part of the ritualization and what you find is that they behave this way and it changes and gets more internally complex over time. So yes. that's one way to track a serial killer. You find that they do it this way. It's not successful. They have to add something to it as part of the ritualization. And that's how we can track these individuals over time and see how long they've been engaged in the activity. So when you see a disorganized killer like this who simply throws the body out and throws the containing material out at a different location is very disorganized, you'll find that they become better at it as they move along. It's frightening. Guys, speaking of the curtain that Nicole Versansky first told us of, almost a handmade-looking curtain, a curtain that was found yards and yards away from her body, now reveals that one of her hairs was on that curtain. It did not come from her family home. 
Take a listen to our friend Peggy Gallic Fox 8. Law enforcement officials have taken DNA samples from people as recently as a couple months ago. We just don't want to miss anything, and that's why they're, they're continuing. And a detective with the Bay Village Police Department tells the I-team that a lot of the DNA testing they are doing now is to help eliminate possible suspects and to make sure any of the DNA they do have is not what they refer to as contamination DNA, such as a hair from a law enforcement agent that was at the scene. So we're always ruling people out or checking people that were previous suspects. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience. Which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 
Law enforcement officials have taken DNA samples from people as recently as a couple months ago. We just don't want to miss anything, and that's why they're, they're continuing. And a detective with the Bay Village Police Department tells the I-team that a lot of the DNA testing they are doing now is to help eliminate possible suspects and to make sure any of the DNA they do have is not what they refer to as contamination DNA, such as a hair from a law enforcement agent that was at the scene. So we're always ruling people out or checking people that were previous suspects. Joining me right now, a very special guest, you know her well, Shira LaPointe, genetic genealogist, author of The Gene Hunter, that's G-E-N-E, and founder of thegenehunter.com. On Twitter, LaPointe Shira. Shira, thank you for being with us. Boy, do we need you now. You know, you can't just run the hair. We have to now use very sophisticated mitochondrial DNA analysis, and that type of analysis has been refined, dealing specifically with contaminated DNA. What do you make of what you're hearing? What should be done DNA-wise? Hey, Shira, before you answer that question, listen to our friends at WKYC. A 10-year-old girl who loved horses and wore a cross around her neck in one of the most shared missing children's posters of all time. Murdered. Her killer never caught. While her story became the subject of documentaries featured over the years on talk shows as investigators continued their public outreach with billboards, sharing as well this handmade curtain and blanket found within feet of Amy's body, believed she was wrapped in it, hoping that someone might recognize where it came from. But so far, nothing. Okay, Cheryl Point, you're the genetic genealogist. Do your thing. Nancy, we have a quilt that was made into a curtain. Someone cut off a corner and made tabs. That tells me that if we can get DNA off that curtain, it would tell us, number one, possibly who made the curtain, where it comes from, but also she was wrapped in that homemade curtain. We shed approximately 400,000 epithelial cells a day. Whoever carried her and left her in that field, it's a good chance their DNA is actually on that curtain. And nowadays, we can take degraded DNA from a curtain that she was wrapped in 32 years ago and find small amounts of DNA to get an accurate profile and figure out using genetic genealogy who touched that curtain. And that's going to give us some answers. They, they were able to prove that it was her hair on that curtain. But there are new forensic-grade genome sequencing DNA that can be done now to help us figure this out. How hard is it, Cheryl Point, uh, the gene hunter, to extract usable DNA from a contaminated source? It has been um, historically very, very difficult to do. But with the advancements in DNA technology that um, we have private forensic labs that are doing work like Othram that can take these cases with little, of e- little evidence or degraded DNA and they can break it down and it would give genetic information that would help us build a family tree to figure out 
whose DNA is on that curtain? Based on epithelial cells, skin cells that were left on the curtain? Absolutely. That, that is the DNA that you would be looking at. Um, and it, it would be autosomal DNA that could be used to figure this out. And it would tell us, number one, in my opinion, um, who, maybe even who made the curtain, where the curtain came from. And um, I, I just, I have to believe that the perpetrator's DNA is absolutely on that curtain. You know, I'm curious, Nicole Versansky joining us, CBS 19 and star of Dark Side of the Land, who killed Amy Maholovic. Nicole, she had been sex assaulted. Was there no sperm left behind? Let's consider she was likely dumped very shortly after she was abducted. She was in that field until February. Gosh, yeah. But I do, I do want to mention over the past, speaking to testing and DNA testing, over the past two years, they've spent about $75,000 on advanced DNA testing. And again, that biggest hurdle is that it's, this is 32 years old. And that is a big factor in the quality of any of the DNA that they do test. And then there's a risk there because oftentimes when you're testing this evidence, you're, you know, you're ruining that evidence. Well, there is a way that uh, DNA can be extended. You regenerate the DNA in the lab to create enough DNA to perform additional tests. Not always true, but often true. Is there a twist in the case? Take a listen to Our Cut 9, our friends at News 5 Cleveland. The details come straight out of recently filed court documents. They're the sworn statements of the lead detective with Bay Village Police, following up on a tip suggesting a now 64-year-old man could be Amy Mahalovic's killer. According to a sworn affidavit, that tip came back in January 2019. A woman told detectives she suspected her ex-boyfriend killed the 10-year-old Bay Village girl. We're not naming the man since he hasn't been charged with anything. According to police, she said the man never came home the night Amy Mahalovic disappeared from the Bay Village Square shopping center. And more in our Cut 10 from News 5 Cleveland. Investigators say the woman did hear from the man that night, though. A phone call asking if she was aware of news coverage about Amy's disappearance. During that call, the woman told police the man said his niece and brother's family knew Mahalovic. In fact, police say the man's niece was the same age and in the same grade as Amy. And the woman also believes she recalled her ex-boyfriend tell her he knew Amy. For years, police have said prior to her abduction, the 10-year-old received a phone call from a man wanting to arrange a meeting with the girl to help pick out a gift for Amy's mother. So that's amazing to me, Nicole Versansky, that this now 64-year-old man uh, says that his niece was the same age and the same grade as Amy. Why would this guy be asking, had she seen the news coverage? Um isn't it true he walked into the police station and gave a statement? These are all incredible questions, Nancy, but I will tell you, detectives are keeping pretty tight to their vest with this one. They have their eye on suspects, plural, and the most they will say is that, yes, one of them have come up recently. I think the fear here is that they don't want to put all their eggs in a basket and, and have someone out there who knows something or thinks they might have information, think, oh, they got their guy. Well, why don't they just do a DNA analysis with uh, the most advanced technique? But there's even more to what this guy is saying. Take a listen to our cut 
11, News 5 Cleveland. Police say during an interview with a man in the fall of 2019, the man, quote, indicated he may have met Mahalovic's mother in a bar and that, quote, maybe he didn't know who he was talking to. Police say they asked the man whether he ever called Amy prior to her abduction. The detective wrote the man said, I could have, and that it could have been a wrong number. According to court documents, when asked again if there was a possibility that he called her, the man said yes. Dale Carson, why is a man in his 30s calling a 10-year-old little girl on the phone? Well, there can be no good reason for that, obviously. But it does demonstrate the link that the child perceived was with her family because she could say he could say to her my my niece is in school with you and i you know would like to match up with you those are all mechanism keys to the lock of self-protection that opens up and allows him to continue Mm. to manipulate the child as of right now after all the years have passed amy's father still holding out hope that her killer will be apprehended. We wait as justice unfolds. The tip line 440-871-1234. Repeat, 440-871-1234. Goodbye, friend. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. 
Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. 